Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Society or we live in a dot dot dot. <laughs> uh, my name is John, otherwise known as the Liquid Guy, joined as always by my co-ghost Ash. Ash, how you doing? Uh, I'm I'm alive and well. I just I just uh, escaped a party at a uh, unnamed wealthy person's mansion, and boy oh boy, do I have a story to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you saying you were gonna go. You were gonna go to this uh, party out in Beverly Hills. Um, I I get the feeling it maybe went a bit weird, but like we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, so we are. We are going to be talking about um, what I think actually is one of the most um, searing and rigorous, uh, unflinchingly honest documentaries of the 1980s in America. Um, We're going to be talking about Brian Usner's Society. But as always, uh, as as is now demanded uh, by, by the listeners, Ash... What is society really all about? John, we live in a society. <laughs> if I, I'm just going to say, if you if you don't title the episode that, I'm going to be so annoyed. <laughs> okay, that, 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 then that's us cashing in the two society jokes for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we we truly do live in a society. <laughs> we truly do. Oh, one second. Let me pull up my little introduction here. Okay, I didn't realize that you were writing a kind of Proustian uh, masterpiece. It's, uh, all of all of my all of my little uh, episode entries are now uh, artisanally crafted. They are bespoke artworks. Society is obsessed with paranoia and voyeurism. It's a parasite we haven't been able to shake. It radiates through McCarthyism and projects back to us on each episode of Hoarders. A perverse wonderment creeps through daily life. Who in the office has a mountain of garbage piling up in their living room? Who screams, my identical twin is a liar, that baby is not mine? This maddening spiral of incest, eroticized suffering, and agony put on display is also deeply classist. This Povician voyeurism only ever looks downward to the poor. Daytime TV is riddled with classist, ableist, and racist propaganda. The worst amongst our media actively trains us to expect depravity from society's most vulnerable. However, as Brian Yuzna tells us time and time again, the true depravity always comes from above. His film Society is one such lesson. It is an object lesson in class consciousness. The rich and the powerful are so in tune with their class interest that they effectively merge into a single hideous oppressor. As we are wont to say on this show, we must become monsters to fight against our many enemies. And unlike the shunted horrors of society, we must find a monstrous unity. We must become a new Frankensteinian whole. Golf Hell claps. Yeah. Throw your roses on the stage. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> I um, I really like that. I really like that a great deal. But I sensed in a couple of your references that you... Maybe you could develop those a little bit further. Um, you know, there was some kind of theoretical names, a particular name that you dropped in, in, the, in that... Pop, in that 
in that plot <laughs> recap, which honestly I had to look up. So um, I was wondering if you could maybe sort of develop your kind of um, yeah, the the slightly more intellectual reading of this film that you you explained to me uh, whilst we were getting ready to record. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I, I invoked the famous uh, American star of stage and screen, Maury Povich. Uh, Povich uh, is a self-styled, air, a massive air quotes here, journalist, um, who, who is probably most famous for, is indeed the only thing I know him for, is, is the Maury Povich show, which is a daytime access program that uh, still plays to this very day in the United States. Um, it was like the, this type of television was a 90s phenomenon. You know where you would get shows, get shows uh, like like the one the that quote that I mentioned. Uh, My identical twin is a liar. The baby is not mine. Is uh, an episode of the Maury Povich <laughs> show that aired two months ago. Oh yeah. wow! Uh, and that that's a classic recurring theme. You know, you, there's tons of twin cest. There there's tons of ableist stuff. Like this this TV is all about the spectacle of kind of American poverty and the American lower class. And I think that that, in in a weird way, contrasts really well with Brian Yuzna's movies, and not and not just society, but like this is this is like, I would say that this is a motif of Brian Yuzna as an auteur, is his his willingness to interrogate the the kind of depravity that is power and wealth. You know, we 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 mm. see this in society. Uh, this is also in the Reanimator films, even though slightly less uh, uh, outspoken. It's definitely in Faust. Uh, it's a strong theme yeah. in Faust. I highly recommend Faust. If you, if you like the effects in the shunting scenes, you would love Faust. Um, what else? But yeah, like, in so much of American culture, and I think culture more broadly, because it's not just an American phenomenon, especially because America exports its culture to the rest of the world. So you're welcome for more yep. a uh, globe. But um, this media trains us to look at the poor with suspicion. And this is particularly insidious because we are the poor. We we are the the kind of depraved underclass that's depicted in all of these daytime talk shows. This incestuous mass of teeming weirdos. You know, like like mm-hmm. when you're when you're watching an episode of one of these Mori shows and you're like, oh God, why would they do that? Like it's it's not a they, it's an us. You know, and like yeah. the that that focalization, that lens never turns back on on the wealthy i think that's i think that's that's a really important point actually i think that's a really important point um it was something that um the uk equivalent is of course the jeremy kyle show um and which which was just it was it was just awful it was just this kind of smug moralizing kind of voyeuristic uh kind of display of oh these these sexually promiscuous uh uh working class people who don't really know anything about how to kind of organize their lives so we're going to turn them into this consumable media spectacle but i really like the point that you're making that like you know we we we've got more in common with with them than with with Maury or with 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 Jeremy Kyle yeah. or with uh the the godfather of them all Jerry Springer <laughs> right yeah J- Jerry Springer um oh my god who's who's the radio guy uh Howard 
Oh, we're cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that I think that that's really important, and, and I, I would take it even one step further. I think it's not that we have things in common with these people; it's that we literally are these people. The yeah. the line separating me from an episode that that's like my my twin was resurrected and now the baby's mine like like the line between me and and the kind of depictions of people in that show is it's a hair's breadth right we see ourselves so often as kind of like as, as the quote goes temporarily embarrassed millionaires you know you know oh, yeah, we, yeah. we see ourselves as being able to be closer to the upper class and the rich but in reality like especially here in America where you have to pay for your own health care, you are one bad injury away from, uh, from being these people that these shows caricature. I think that point about where is your identification, with whom do you identify, is really important. Because I think, like, culturally, we are... We're told that we, that we should be identifying with, with people who are in in every way living a kind of qualitatively different kind of life than us people you know i i love i love i love i i pointed this out on twitter a few um a couple of months ago that like every every single week there'll be like some business guy who will get on twitter and in the same breath as going right you know you too can be successful if you're just willing to work hard and follow your dreams will admit that like capitalism is systemically broken but if you don't succeed it's entirely your fault (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like we are kind of ideologically conditioned to to identify with uh uh with people who have literally nothing in common with us and whose class interests are entirely uh antagonistic to ours it's like uh who was it some some kind of senior ranking person in the in the DNC or in the Democratic Party tweeted that Wall Street and Main Street had to come together, had to work together. And I was like, yes, antagonistic groups with entirely opposing class interests must work together. That is politics. That's that is that is good political analysis. That's, that's absolutely mind shredding to me. And like, uh, I mean, my mind shredding, mind shredding because I have a mildly more aware perspective of how the world functions but it's entirely predictable when you when you understand what society the movie is trying to depict right the class interests of of our oppressors you yeah. know like then then it becomes readily apparent because of course like like this is the you know that, that 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 was an article i think right like i just saw people making jokes about it i didn't bother to read the real thing but um, because i'm a yeah, serious I mean, journalist <laughs> but uh but no, like like that article is the exact same equivalent of your manager like like sitting you down on his knee and being like, "Hey, we're all a family here. You can trust Pep Pep. I I'm wise and knowledgeable." It's it's that exact same bullshit. Like that's someone lying to you. Yeah, I I mean, I to 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 quote that Zizek point, which I really like, is that you know. In a way, wasn't it better? Wasn't it better to have the authoritarian yes. boss who just told you you have to do this, and at least you had the dignity of being able to hate them? You know, wasn't it better when we had a kind of uh, a billionaire class that didn't want us to love them, um, and had to, you know, they had to, 
you know, they didn't expect the fact that we would all follow them on Twitter and think that they were really cool and so epic and their their company of selling flamethrowers is amazing. You know, uh, in the 19th century, if you had the uh, the good fortune and the and the kind of lack of com- complete lack of morals that were required to be a ca- kind of member of the capitalist class, you didn't expect working class people to love you and to like you and to want to be like you. In fact, you didn't want to have anything to do with them beyond your kind of charitable obligations that would help keep them in their place. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, this is this is the whole... I, I think this is part of the, one of the things about this film that I really like, right, is it is it does not mince its words. It does not hold back the punch. It really lays bare this kind of condition, you know? Because a lot, yep. of, a lot of horror cinema... It, it it takes it takes these issues on with kitty gloves you know it, it even even when it's going after it it's still kind of it's it's a little ambiguous sometimes about like oh how how bad are the bosses you know but like no yeah. no society yeah. society is correct <laughs> <laughs> uh ash are you are you i can't believe that you are like every person on the left trying to drag politics into <laughs> our horror movie discussions. That's right. This this movie so, has no um, has no politics. It's just a spoopy movie. Uh, there's there's nothing to talk <laughs> about here. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We probably have a Patreon. And, and and yeah, and there we go. So this film this film follows uh, Billy Whitney. Uh, what I love what I love uh, I'm watching this for the first time in a while. I was just like. Remember in like the eighties how everybody in a horror movie was called Billy? <laughs> it's like uh follows Billy Everyteen. Yep. And Billy Everyteen uh lives in Beverly Hills with uh his sister Jenny uh and his uh and his uh mum and dad and he's like the really popular jock at school, but he's also it opens with him like recounting a nightmare to his therapist. Uh, where he admits that he's he's terrified and he's terrified of his family because something about them kind of feels wrong, um, and like uh, let's let's be honest. In my opinion, the first hour of this film doesn't really do a great deal, um, but it gradually kind of ratchets up this 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 paranoid atmosphere. And what I think is really great, what I really really like about this film is that it takes the kind of outsider POV of being a teenager and kind of coming into self-realization and that idea of maybe you don't really know who mum and dad are anymore and kind of just twists that up until it reaches absolute parody. Um, and, and, and then you get this additional kind of like well, maybe, maybe he's just kind of imagining things, but like the evidence starts to mount up until you get to, I think it's maybe got my favorite final 20 minutes of any horror movie ever. <laughs> so, we, so we will not, we will try not to spoil it too much because if you've never seen the final act of society, it, it, have fun. I do, it's like a roller coaster. I don't want to be the one to ruin it for you. Well, John, at some point we're going to have to get to the bottom of this. But I'm hey. <laughs> But but what yeah, uh, but until you get to that point, you know, Usner made his name in kind of really impressive practical effects. 
But until you get to that final 20, 30 minutes, what you have instead is you have just the suggestion that there's something kind of slightly odd about his family and that everybody seems to think that that Billy Everyteen is just paranoid, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the the tension we're playing with in, in the beginning. Is it's it's like a it's a little bit of the classic horror, like oh, is this guy just crazy? Okay, kind of thing. Like that's a little bit of the tension that we're playing with in the beginning, which is probably I, I think like I think it contributes to what you were saying that the beginning of this film it, it does take a little bit to get going. Um, but like when Brian Yuzna made the film, uh, he intentionally didn't care about the plot. Like this wasn't this wasn't a yeah. plot movie for him. It was it was going to be kind of a surreal exploration of ideas and practical effects. Um, the mm-hmm. plot happened later. The plot happened later in the movie's construction in order to make it a sellable product, and so that audiences could watch it and it could go to theaters and stuff. And so you could see you could see those 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 kinks being ironed out in the film, but it's still like that slow burn. You know where you get, and then like like the few the few quick scenes where we see Billy's girlfriend, and she's like, like her flesh is like twisting in weird ways and making inter- interesting sounds. Like it's such a good way to like tease what's going on. That's amazing that you refer to that as Billy's girlfriend because that's his sister. <laughs> I get those. So I get those two characters confused all the time because his <laughs> the. The girlfriend later on is also one of the aliens, and there's a lot of incest subtext. So the two characters, like, their parallels are really strongly ingrained throughout the movie. And I think that 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 confusion is maybe even intentional by Yusna. No, no, I think it's totally intentional. I think it's totally intentional. That's the other thing, the, the, the kind of twin narrative drives of, like, the first hour and a bit are paranoia and like uh, and incest that, that, that there's that's the two twin narrative drives of this <laughs> uh and it makes for an in, for for it, in total it's a kind of very unsettling film even even before you get to um have you ever seen the 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 salvador dali painting the great masturbator that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about the final act. If you haven't seen it, uh, maybe just have a look at the work of Salvador Dali. Um, Yusner apparently based the final act on his nightmares as well, which uh, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, it it makes sense. Oh yeah, there's also this this kind of subplot that he's running for like class president. I think the film, like you say, the film's not necessarily all that interested in plot, but there's a kind of debate and the debate happens a couple of times he gets invited to parties uh at the kind of cool kids house ted he misses his sister's uh debutante ball coming out the judge and the like a local judge is going to be there um and then later one of it one of his um sister's ex-boyfriends gives him a tape uh because the 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 boyfriend in ex-boyfriend rather in a in a move that is just staggeringly poorly thought thought through decides that the way that he's going to uh kind of get back together with this girl is secretly record her um and it turns out that that's not a good idea because women 
Nobody likes that. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, horror, horror <laughs> Vanguard dating advice tip number one. Don't secretly record the person you're interested in. Yeah, don't secretly record your your ex on her way to the debutante ball. Um, and the tape is this weird, like, planning session for an incestuous orgy that they're going to have. Uh, and Billy takes it over to his... Uh, psychiatrists and the psychiatrist listens to it and it's just them talking about the kind of the the what they're gonna do at the debutante ball. Um so and this is where the psychiatrist says that that Billy is just paranoid. And what do you think what do you think paranoia is kind of doing in this film? Uh well why do you think they keep going on about paranoia? Well, uh, I I, w- I would say we were talking about this a, a little bit before we started recording, but you're not paranoid if they're after you. Hey, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and to, to to add a little bit more, I guess like uh, sauce. I'll put I'll put some more special horror vanguard spooky science on this. But um, I, I think one one thing to point out uh, to point out here is that I'm not sure. Um, uh, Chomsky's just so prolific; it's hard for me to remember where he wrote or said things. But um, I think I think this was in a speech. Meh, never mind. Not important. Not important where it's from. But Chomsky was talking about conspiracy theories, right? And and he was kind of outlining the nature of a conspiracy theory that like all all kind of theories are conspiracy theories until they're proven, right? Right. Being a conspiracy theory doesn't make it inherently ludicrous, right? Like Watergate was a conspiracy theory until there was evidence, you know, until it was definitively proven. Yeah, and then when we look back in time, you know, like as documents are unclassified and things are revealed, like oh, the United States government experimenting on American citizens—that's that would never be open. Then documents get declassified, and we find out that they, in fact, like heavily experimented on soldiers during the Vietnam War and stuff like that. So I think like these, yeah. these and then these, these conspiratorial thinkings and the paranoia that weaves into them. I, I think like that that's an interesting thing to watch here in the film because here in the film it's it's actively happening and there's a lot of like modern kind of paranoic thinking that I think m- melds its flesh uh, begins begins to boil and melds into the text of uh, society really well right like a lot of a lot of like the QAnon stuff is all about like a secret cabal of rich elite people who control society and and make all the decisions that make the world go round and anyone who gets in their way is done away with you know and like but it's it's very close to correct <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean this is what i find kind of fascinating by it right so the like the 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 the, the qanon crowd have like turned it into this almost metaphysics of how the world actually works and at the same time uh this is when we found out about the monstrous sex criminal Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and for a long time, you know, it, it wasn't really a conspiracy theory. It wasn't really a conspiracy theory because it was just an open secret. And at the end of society, you see that police and law enforcement are involved mm-hmm. in what's happening. Um, and it's like, people knew, people know, but they allow it to continue because... If someone is rich and powerful enough, then the material restrictions of of the law no longer apply, because functionally, if you are uh, beyond the kind of uh, 
if you if you have the material means to satisfy every kind of pleasure, eventually you end up seeking a sort of ultimate transgression. Uh, billionaires are just bad people. Like, <laughs> like I don't know any other way. Like any every single piece of evidence that we 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 get kind of tells us this. It's not even that they're bad people, right? Like I think I think it's it's there's there's another layer to this it's that systemically there is no way to be a good billionaire right like by by the very function that would lead to the creation of a billionaire all of the systems that need to be in place to make something like that there is no way that the final product could be at all morally good yeah no like it is even if they were the most chaste and 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 like still of inner soul type of people they would still have a fortune built on the vast so- a, a level of suffering and death that is virtually incalculable and and so it's very easy to dismiss uh yeah i i really like what you say there about conspiracy theories being a way of dismissing legitimate criticisms of particular institutions and particular actors within those institutions, right? We're supposed to have huge amounts of respect for uh, former presidents or members of the royal family because they represent something more than themselves. And then as time goes on, or as um, the justice system and, and the work of survivors and campaigners manages to, to, to push our decaying institutions into some sort of action we find out that actually not only do these institutions not deserve any respect, but their kind of hollowed out atrophied uh, privilege was not only hoarding huge, colossal, almost unimaginable amounts of wealth stolen and and squeezed out of working class people um, by any means necessary, but was also covering up kind of uh, monstrous uh, violence and and uh, uh, kind of desire to dominate uh, poor and vulnerable people. Um, so it's very easy to call it a, a conspiracy theory. And I think often, not always, but often, to dismiss something as a conspiracy theory is a way of trying to defend the legitimacy of a particular institution. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is 100% true, right? Because like... Of course, like some some conspiracy theories, in fact, many conspiracy theories have a lot of sensationalist, non-true elements woven into them. But I think that that serves a very important function that's worth pointing out, right? Like like the whole um, fake, hashtag fake news thing, right? Like that's that's a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory that all of these news media are working together to destroy Donald Trump. You know, that, that they all yeah. hate him and they're trying to betray him at every turn and you have to look for the coded messages and stuff like that. Like, that's a conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. What isn't a conspiracy theory is Noam Chomsky's manufactured consent. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that is a dem- demonstrably reoccurring historical phenomenon that, that all empires engage in manipulating their own media. Like, like all that, that is a thing uh, that states do. They, they produce their manipulated media content that serves their goals and their agendas. And, like, which one of these yeah. two things gets coverage all the time? Like, like it's it's hashtag fake news. Like, that's on the news every night. They're always talking about, oh, they're accusing us of more fake news, but they'll never talk about the fact that like they serve corporate interest. To to kind of use the example that we talked about earlier, you know, there's the QAnon conspiracy theory, but what was given literally a fraction of that attention were the very real crimes of people like Jeffrey Epstein. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't a conspiracy theory. It was given just so even even uh, uh, this this idea that you can just write everything off as a conspiracy theory is a way of disavowing any kind of actual involvement with this. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that is a completely correct way to look at this film. So, uh, I think, and to be honest, I, I thinking about this isn't isn't a kind of a degree of a healthy degree of skepticism about what you're told by the authorities and institutions of a capitalist society. The only really sensible approach to take. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no no i, um, I think but, I think you're completely but that right. is that is but that is easily pathologized right that's e- easily pathologized as paranoia and as you pointed out and as billy everteen puts it you know you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you i i want i want to talk about shunting but we'll get to shunting towards the end <laughs> oh we we will we will get to shunting <laughs> Um, and we will get to the uh, revolutionary violence of how do you deal with the champion of the working of the upper classes if you are Billy Everyteen? What do you do to to the one who's been told to take you down? Yes, uh, yes, I, I have um, takes on that scene, so I'm very excited to get to it. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about? class belonging yes yes i think that's one of the most important um topics there is there is one scene i'm thinking of in particular which is whether in the uh he's listening to the tape in the car and his sister jenny says i'm really sorry that billy really sad that billy couldn't be here or words to that effect his father says like you know he's in a different world he exists in a kind of different world to us you know he and he's going to do great things out there um and he's he's desperately trying to get in with those cool kids at the beach who are throwing the party that his girlfriend is desperate to be invited to. What do you think about this this sense of like, you know, where do you fit? What side are you on in this film? Well, I mean, they say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. You either be a union man or a thug for J. H. Blair. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of like the the attitude that's in this film, right? Like, there's no there's no neutrality for Billy. Right, Billy. Billy is not afforded the privilege of neutrality because none of us are afforded that privilege, regardless of where you are in the social spectrum. Right, neutrality mm. is the ultimate in like false ideology. Right, it's an empty, it's an empty state of being, you know, because you cannot be there. Um, you can only fake it, right? And I think that that's something that's that's going on in this film. You know, like Billy, the alien race <laughs> that Billy's a part of, want wants him you know, to, to be neutral to these issues, to stop caring. But in fact, they want him to support what they're doing, you know, literally consuming humans. And then you've got like this antagonism with the people that are literally being eaten alive. And I think that that's really important here, right? Is that like the, the, these upper class aliens know what they're doing, right? That they're not, they're not confused. They're not operating under some false pretenses. They are 100% on board with a particular social project. Uh, yeah. and then, but then everyone else, everyone else isn't, everyone else doesn't have that same kind of unified knowledge. And, and I think like there, there are so many reasons why we can discuss why that is. But I think for me, the one that the film is pointing out is that like, 
because of the nature of oppression, we're locked out of the resources necessary to have that. You know, like like every every bit of society, the movie wants you to think that like like these aliens are all like they dress nice and they look nice and they're all like people in government and they have high positions and they're they're people that you should respect. You know, like when one when one of the yeah. aliens gets done shunting, they're gonna walk into a coffee shop and everyone's gonna be like, Oh, how are you doing, sir? Good day to you, sir. Uh, good good job passing that bill, sir. Yeah, and then like, yeah, but yeah. like the, the people who are getting consumed, uh, fuck them. You know, like like no one, no one's gonna care. Completely disposable. Completely disposable. Yes. And I think there's something interesting about the fact that like, there is no sort of. It takes a long time for Billy to sort of believe exactly what's going on, and he doesn't really get it. Even even like close to the very end but there is this sense that he doesn't fit with the rest of his family and even though like he's been told that that's where he belongs and those are those are his people he kind of knows on some almost like instinctual level that something is not quite right and i think that's an interesting point right you know especially in a society which is <laughs> in a society which <laughs> is so dependent oh we live in a society we're so hard. which is so <laughs> which is so dependent upon thinking upon upon inculcating that idea that like you are going to make it you're going to be one of the few you're going to be one of the chosen ones it's very difficult to go actually something about this doesn't doesn't seem right i don't i don't necessarily believe all of this but he manages to come to that realization and i think for lots of people that is how it happens. It doesn't happen as something where you go, ah, I have I have come to the to the reasoned decision that this system of classic class based exploitation is not right. But instead you come to a kind of moral and almost like instinctive and existential feeling that something here is is desperately wrong and needs to change. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's also one of the important parts about this film, right? Is that Billy doesn't He's he's got that instinctual awareness that things are out of place, right? This is very much Mark Fisher's the weird and the eerie. Some something is yeah. wrong. Something from the outside is influencing this, but he doesn't have the ability to articulate what it is. You know, it's 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 got that weird quality to it, and I think that I don't I don't think I'm being hyperbolic to say that the vast majority of people have that. Like the vast majority of people are are to some degree aware that they're getting the short end of the stick, but yeah. the way that the metaphorical stick is constructed is such that you're not supposed to think of it that way. You know, like like you you, you, no. either, you either think you never worked hard enough and so everything is your fault, or you think that like you know everyone just worked better than you and it's, it's not your fault. They're just better so that they got more money and more power, right? Like you buy you buy into the propaganda. And then you start to write away all of these problems instead of facing the reality of what they are. And it's not, and again, like, you know, like I realize my wording there might mean some to believe that I'm blaming people for not like coming to these realizations, but, but that's not, that's not the case. Like all of society uh, and the movie society is, is about like pointing out how like you're supposed to, like the system wants you to respect the people in power and to defer to them in, in all situations moral social cultural yeah. political you should defer to your betters 
right? Like that's 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 kind of the that's the tension of this plot, right? Like Billy's Billy's social betters are like, no, you really should you really should be along for the ride. You can't fight this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an incredibly difficult thing to um, unlearn this idea that you that you know everyone's constantly telling Billy you're going to do great things for society. You're going to you're going to do great things in society. And this idea that like oh one day if you're good, if you're really lucky, you too will get to take your place in this in this crowd. When in fact, like we talked about this in the episode on um Train to Busan, if it would prolong their existence for a second, you know, what what will the what will the the society class do to you? Literally anything they want, anything they can. If it will prolong their their life for just one second, they will they will happily you know drain you of all your life and existence because you know as uh, as one of the characters says right right at the end, you have to be born into this. It isn't something that you you get if you are good and you you try really hard and you work your hardest and you bootstrap yourself as much as you possibly can. It's something that only those who are born to it will get to do don't i guess i guess basically what we're both saying is like don't believe it don't believe it you know trust your instincts when you look at the world and see kind of monstrous injustice and and uh the 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 those who are successful and and in positions of power seem to be hopelessly corrupt or or incapable and are only interested in in amassing wealth and when you look around and you see a world that is kind of choked with despair and you see a medical system that leaves people to die because they literally can't afford to live don't believe the 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 kind of conditioning and ideological messaging that says this is the best possible world because to do so means not only putting up with kind of vast injustice which is morally offensive, but it also means ignoring your own kind of intellectual awareness that the world could and should be better and more just and fairer and more equal um, and a place where the kind of wealth of the world is not hoarded by these gross villains who who see themselves as being completely beyond the reach of ordinary people and, and law and, and, and right. So... I think what we're saying is, you know, if you are maybe not someone who considers themselves particularly political, when you look at the world, trust what you see as being in some way true, um, because that's how any deeper understanding of the world starts. It starts by trying to understand why the world around you is the way that it is. And the reason that it is, I think both Ash and I would say, uh, is best explained by those on the left. 100 percent i i don't think that there's anyone who offers a better explanation <laughs> I, I think we uh, uh patting myself on the back here i think i think we've collectively done a very good job <laughs> um no I, th- I think you're totally right and i i would just add that like your gut is telling you these things for a reason human perception isn't as black and white it isn't as concrete as as we want to believe that it is it's not that we see things and then we reason and then we process conclusions you know, we, we have an elaborate 
fleshy being that is constantly processing information on dozens of different levels. And, and sometimes, you know, when you get that gut feeling, when your heart's trying to tell you something, you've got, you owe it to yourself to explore why it's saying that. Billy explores it. Yeah. Billy gets this feeling that things aren't right. He can't articulate it. He can't point it out. People call him crazy, you know, like, like he can't quite figure out what's going on. But he, he knows that he owes it to himself to get to the bottom of this sensation. And, and when he does, he discovers deeper truths. Yeah, he, he's correct. <laughs> he's correct. He, fi- he, he, fi- he finds out the truth. I think, that's, I think that's an incredibly important thing to point out. Right? You know, he, he goes, everyone says, oh, that's just that. The world isn't really like that. But he is correct. Uh, and he finds out the truth much as people would want him to to be wrong much as people pretend that it's just the kind of ravings of somebody dealing with paranoia he actually finds out the truth because he's willing to pursue that kind of existential feeling that the world shouldn't be this way yeah yeah i would absolutely agree with that uh, so with that said, uh, shall we, shall we progress now to the conclusion of this documentary? <laughs> what what really happens in the mansions of the rich? Um, yes, I absolutely think that we should. So then, uh, what really happens? Well, what we always knew was happening, as uh, one of the characters puts it, the rich have always have always kind of sucked off the 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 poor shit like us um except it just happens in a way that's maybe more physically literal than uh, some of us were expecting let's talk about shunting <laughs> let's <laughs> you 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 said you have takes i i have so many takes on the uh soft construction with boiled beans that we see at the end of this film <laughs> um uh, so um yeah so go on. so so i want to pick apart all of what shunting is right on on so many levels what's going on with shunting is beautiful and as as art as metaphor as craft right so so on on, on the basic level right there were, I think, over 20 puppeteers inside the big shunting monster. Ugh. And what, what we can kind of theoretically derive from that is that the, the depiction of kind of our class enemies here, the depiction of the depravity of the rich, can only be completed through collective action. No one man or woman can pilot the shunting monster on its own, right? That thing requires collective action to put together. We cannot functionally understand or confront our class enemies when we are alone when we are alienated we must come together that is that is the foundational lesson of the shunting monster at the end of brian usna's society absolutely because that's that's what happens to the rich and famous right the the rich and powerful what do they do behind closed doors they form ranks they 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 come together in all senses of that word <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a kind of literalizing of of a metaphor that 
we talk about a lot, which is, you know, class interest. You know, what happens when they have the body of somebody uh, poor and vulnerable or poorer than them and vulnerable who has discovered a little bit of their secret? What do they do? They literally, you know, push themselves inside it and just inside him and just drain the very life out of him. Like that, that's, we know that's how, that's how class operates. We know that's how it operates, but this is a kind of, um, in, this is an incredible visual metaphor, like making, making it embodying this metaphor in a way that, you know, you don't, you don't often see. Yeah. You don't ever see, you know, like this is, this, this is a depiction of something that is so, so cloistered, so hidden. And I think that like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, there's kind of like there's, there's another layer to the reading of of shunting itself, right? Because like shunting itself isn't bad, in, in kind of in kind of a strict appraisal of what it is. The the alien race in society is is uh, maybe I've been watching too much Star Trek lately, but they are a sentient they are sentient beings that have that have different and strange ways, but they they still have a right to live in our galaxy, but they don't have a right to impress and harm others. And that is why they must be eliminated. Like that, that is why they must be overcome. You know, and I think that that that's part of the the key to this analysis here is it's not that it's not that shunting in and of itself is bad. Shunting is just really weird. <laughs> it's just that how it is used, the fact that it is it is sustained and used by the oppression of others that makes it bad. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, do you want do you want to know my take yes. on it? I live for your taste. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they're aliens. Bum 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 bum. I don't think they're aliens. That I don't. Well, this is the thing. You know, he says, Billy says to them, "Oh, alien scum," and he says, "No, we we've been here. We've been here just as long as you have. All it is is a matter of good breeding." Because this is this is the thing. In some ways, I think it's I think it's too easy. I think it's too easy to say. Oh, like the rich, uh, rich just aren't like us. They're just kind of aliens. I, in a way, I think that's too easy. I think it's very tempting and and kind of understandable to say that, but I think it's a mistake because what it suggests is that we could we are in some way just not like them, um, and in many ways we're not. But also, the kind of worrying thing is that all of us have the potential yes. for that kind of. Exploit- exploitation of our fellow man so i i believe i believe the 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 billionaire the jeff bezos where he says you know we're not we're not aliens we're not aliens we're just like you we've been here just as long it's just a matter of good breeding you have to be born into this society so uh i think the the issue is not that they're they're from another planet i think the issue is that they are from this one and that's what's genuinely horrifying about them. I, I actually think that's correct. I, I retract my take. <laughs> or at least rather um, I nuance it with the presence of yours. Yeah. So like, is it, it it's very easy to go, oh well, they're just they're just, you know, aliens. They're just they're just these these terrifying monsters that have nothing to do with us. But I think the the kind of uncomfortable truth is that the rich the, the the billionaire class which is uh you know trying to desperately extract all of the wealth that it can 
is very like us in many ways. And we need to kind of rethink how material and social relations are configured in order to make sure that, you know, shunting is not only no longer <laughs> required, but is is completely impossible. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And so I think, I think that transitions us nicely. So speaking of making shunting completely impossible, uh, shall we discuss Billy's confrontation, the, the penultimate battle that is in this film? <laughs> Yes, uh, so we, we need to talk about Ted. Uh, Ted is one of the younger members of society. He's very excited because he is going to get an internship, uh, which uh, he thinks is going to sort of uh, get get him what he wants. Um, he's going to have an internship in Washington in the summer. And he he recognizes that Billy is not one of them. Billy does not belong. So... Whilst um, whilst one person has been shunted into a gooey oblivion, Billy challenges Ted to a fight. Uh, do you want to just describe how the fight kind of unwinds, as it were? Uh, yes, I, the poet laureate of Horror Vanguard, will discuss this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I I love I love this sequence so much because like. I, I don't think we have enough time in this episode to get into like sex, sexuality, homoeroticism, and incest. Unfortunately, I yep. think I think we have to skip the fun stuff and just be a be this episode is down to business and I apologize for it. But um It is considering the content of the film, this is a remarkably non-horny this episode. Is, and this is an anti-horny episode. <laughs> this is the lighthouse of discussions <laughs> of society. But no, so so Billy and Ted. Uh, are, are, are confronted and ted goes to suck out billy's life essence right because that's how that's how the uh the the society feeds right uh, uh ted locks lips with billy and they they engage in a romantic tongue-on-tongue kiss for a brief moment um mm-hmm. but but then like you know for for a bit the crowd's cheering on they think ted's gonna win but then there's this you know like everybody gets kind of quiet for a second because things are things don't seem so right for them anymore and then uh, what we, I mean, like, there's a lot of ways to, to, to read this, you know, but Billy fights Ted off. And then for a while, Ted's face is like amazingly distorted and awkward. And it's got like, it's a, it's a Looney Tunes effect, you know, where your lips get caught in like a mouse trap it's, and your it's face amazing. stretches. It's amazing. Um, but then uh, Billy like literally reaches into Ted up, up through his intestines and then like does what I can only describe as an inverted bowling ball grip on his skull. And and inverts <laughs> Ted's entire existence. Just literally pulls Ted inside out. Uh, he, yep, he literally pulls Ted's head out through his ass. Um, it is, in terms of just a technical achievement, it's deeply impressive. Um, what? How? How do you read this? So I find this to be really interesting, right? Because I read this as metaphor. <laughs> so okay. So so what what is Billy doing to Ted in this scene, right? Because I think I think first we need to acknowledge what Billy is. Billy is a member of this society. You know, he he mm-hmm. is fully capable of shunting. He is he is one of them, as it were. And and you can read that final battle as him using his shunting powers to to defeat Ted. You know, that, that's why he's able to reach through his body. That's why he's able to resist having his innards being sucked out and to distort Ted in the process, right? 
so so we see here is, is someone acknowledging their privilege and then finding a way to use the privilege that ha that they have to better other people right and in this case he's using his superpowers <laughs> to defeat uh, a possibly alien monster but i think i think we can draw a broader lesson from that that like okay like if you 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 need to analyze the ways in which you are privileged and then use that privilege to help other people mm. That, that, that's part of the process of dismantling yeah. privilege, right? Is is using privilege to help the unprivileged until it goes away. <laughs> um, I think that's part of it, but I think another part of it is like like physically, what does he do to Ted? He he reaches into Ted and then inverts him, right? He he digs mm -hmm. deeper into Ted than than anyone is ever supposed to have gone, and then he pulls Ted inside out so that the truth of Ted is laid bare, right? Right? Ted mm -hmm. Ted is killed by being acknowledged. He's killed by being exposed. It's it's the fact that when Ted is inverted, we're able to see what's really going on, and that fact that Ted is just a disgusting mass of gore, and he's not this well kept young gentleman, right? It's that act that defeats Ted. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We we think of ourselves in a particular fashion. I mean, we've said this repeatedly that what is the big problem for the rich and the powerful? There is no kind of moral problem that can't be solved. There is no kind of existential problem. The big problem is is the body. The big problem is our is our finitude and our limitations of of the the kind of the the fleshy suit that we all exist within. So you get to see that really that's the problem they can't solve. That's the you know someone can doesn't matter how rich you are. Uh, if there is this connection between you, someone can reach inside you and literally turn you inside out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that's like a dark reading on it, but I like it. To to use the, the horror vanguard uh, catchphrase, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> or go to, I completely agree with you. Final thoughts then? Final thoughts on Brian Usner's Society? Damn good movie. It's really fun. It's a really fun movie. This is this is maybe in some ways this maybe feels like a, a slightly obvious one for us to do. I know I know this is this has been a, a, a fan request for a long time now. This one this one's been a long time coming. But I feel like we sort of had to do it. So like maybe those are the big takeaways. Don't 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 believe people when they tell you that the world is fine as it is. Not not all conspiracy theories are just are just nonsense. Yeah, trust trust Sometimes no one. Look for the sign. Hoard canned <laughs> goods. Um, and remember, remember, liquid hand sanitizer. Mm -mm. It's Sani Gold now, and we are stocking that stuff up in cases. I want you to write those things down on a letter, and then bury that letter in the woods where you only you know where to find it. <laughs> Like, you have this you have this like eloquent measured response and i'm like everyone hoard hand sanitizer <laughs> and occasionally we need to remember that the rich and powerful are not our friends they don't belong with us and they will if we let them force their hands deep inside our body <laughs> and suck out every ounce of life energy that we have uh yes a horror wants to do things to your body and we do truly live in a society. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. 